Hi, Marlon. Uh, my name is Jack Stock. I am the president of Globex Mining Enterprises, Inc. We are a property bank exploration company and royalty company listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, we, have a we have a different kind of business model, which you'll see as we go forward in this interview. Jack, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, what a pleasure to meet you. Um, I see that you know, the company has been around for a, for a long time. Can you just tell me, when, when did you become the CEO? Uh, I became the CEO in 1987. Uh, one month after the crash. Uh, that was when we listed uh, uh, on the, what was then the Montreal Stock Exchange and eventually we went to the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, where we are. I think there must be a, I think there must be a record, uh, 1987. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, <clears throat> so you've, you've um, been at the helm, you've got an extraordinary portfolio of projects. You've got, I mean, looking at your presentation, you've got 221 projects, which includes 89 221 properties, which includes 89 royalties. And that's built up over that that time. I, I, before we get onto that portfolio, can we just cast our mind back to 1987 and the kind of the ups and the downs? I mean, it, it must have been an extraordinary um, series of cycles that you've lived through. I mean, kind of any commentary on, on the cycles? Yeah, I mean, when we started off, we started off in 87 with one property, uh, which we still have, by the way, and we've made a, a copper zinc discovery on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's been quite a challenge. I mean, you know, this, this business is a business of ups and downs. Uh, most of the things are outside of our control. We're talking about the economy, you're talking about metal prices, you're talking about politics. Uh, what we try to do is uh, work with a business model that limits the negative effects of uh, those types of cycles. And we can't really uh, eliminate them uh, completely. Uh, but it, the best I'd say is we moderate them. So uh, and we do that through our diversity, through the fact that we, we make sure that we have no debt, through the fact that we make sure that we have money in the bank and that we have revenue and we own our assets. So it gives us a much more stable uh, outlook and ability over time, which uh, most other junior mining uh, companies don't have. Where's your sweet spot in the kind of the property kind of development chain? Do you do you, um, stake ground yeah. typically? Yeah, our specialty um, is acquisition. We we acquire things uh, that we think have value when other people uh, aren't focused on it. For example, two months ago, for under a thousand dollar, we acquired uh, twenty four million ton open pitable uh, dolomite deposit. Dolomite is used in the steel industry and a number of other industries. Um, and uh, this particular property, uh, the metallurgy is done. There's 24 million tons outlined already. Uh, it is on basically the, the southern boundary of the property is the St. Lawrence River. And it's within walking distance of the loading docks that have Saint-Pierre in Quebec. So it's a good jurisdiction, uh, excellent position, uh, and something where other people have spent tons of money on and eventually over time came, came open. And we jump on those kinds of things. So we have a lot of properties that other people weren't interested in. And now, for example, gold. There was a big period of time when nobody was interested in gold. Uh, we have in between the royalties and the properties, we have about 110 gold projects. Um, and we were able to build that up because we, we acquired them when other people weren't interested in them. And how do you how do you maintain them? Do you just 
I mean, and what do you do with them? Do you just um, put everything on care and maintenance and then incrementally advance them to uh, kind of on towards the route to production and then sell them on again? Do you sell a royalty? Do you just do you have to wait for the commodity price to come around? Well, the answer to what your question is yes and no. Uh, we acquire the asset, and the reason we only acquire assets that we think that have value. We're not interested in grassroots assets. Uh, so there's usually previous work on the properties. They're in established mining camps. Uh, they have, uh, you know, like I think f- uh, 40 of them have uh, former mines on them. Uh, 55 of them have historical resources on them. Uh, so we acquire the assets. We do work to upgrade them. Uh, so the initial phase is basically just compiling the information. Then we'll fly, for example, airborne electromagnetic surveys or go in and do geology sampling and so on. Uh, some, some of the projects are for more quick action to put them on the market. Other ones are more long term. Uh, because the, you know, for example, when we acquired gold properties, people weren't interested in gold. So we just kept working. And, and the idea is to increase the value uh, of the asset through the input that we have, which is either intellectual or physical on the ground. So then what we do is we option out, in most cases, we option out the properties when people are interested in that commodity. And the typical deal that we do is a four-year deal. Each year, the company that is optioning the property from us pays us cash, gives us shares in their corporation, and agrees to do a minimum amount of work. So uh, you're going to end up over the, f- the, the four years with millions of dollars of work input, often millions of dollars of cash and shares payable to us if they go to the end. And if they go to the end, we end up with something called a gross metal royalty, which is something that we invented. You're probably familiar with net smelter royalties and net profit interests. Uh, basically, if you do those, you're going to end up dealing with lawyers because people being what they are, when there's money on the table, they get stupid. So what we do is we created this gross metal royalty, which is the percentage of the metal paid by the refinery or smelter directly to us upon the production of the metal. So for example, uh, if we have a 3% gross metal royalty and the property goes into production, the refinery will be paying us 3% of the gold produced. Nothing to fight about. It's paid by the third party. They are given the instruction at the very beginning by the optioning party. Uh, and no lawyers involved, no you know dealing with uh, fancy audits and so on. It's all independent and we don't fight and the lawyers don't make a living off of us. So it's a different kind of model. I had a look on your website and the, the, I think the most recent uh, financial report is the, the quarter which comes up, gives the numbers up to the end of September. We actually just submitted the, the annual. Ah, oh, damn it, I've missed it. Two days ago, two days ago. Oh, okay. I, I, I saw a PDF file on the, on, on the 23 section, but anyway, I, I clicked and it didn't open up. But anyway, I, I should have gone on to CEDAR. Um, but the, the, the September numbers, and they, they may be, they're obviously a quarter out of date, but I, I hope they'll be uh, illustrative. Um, they showed t- you had $10 million in cash and um, $11 million in cash, 10.9 in cash and uh, $10 million in investments. And is that a reflection of the, the shares payment and the, and the cash payment? Yeah, actually, the numbers 
currently the total uh, is about 25 million, uh, 10 and 15, uh, and that would include, uh, you know, some of the, the property assets. Uh, we own we own a number of buildings. We own our offices, like this office in Toronto is a, is a uh, uh, corporate condo. We own it. Uh, we own you know two office buildings up in Rouen Aranda where all our staff are, uh, and so on. So basically, if you put the whole total thing together, it's about thirty million. But you know, uh, twenty five million in cash and shares, and then we have a deal. Um, with Yamana, which actually Yamana just got taken out today by Pan American Silver and Agnigo Eagle. Uh, but they have to pay us over the next three years another $8 million. Uh, so we have our cash, we have our shares, we have the ongoing uh, payments guaranteed by, I guess now, Pan American and, and Agnigo Eagle. Uh, plus, uh, we have nine other options which are generating income. Uh, through the option process, which I just described a short while ago, I, I, I guess uh, the, the, what we're kind of what we're skirting around is trying to work out how to to value your company. I mean, you've got a market capitalization of of forty one million dollars Canadian, and I can see that uh, you went for this. Uh, you know, your, your 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 value must have jumped hugely in two thousand and seven or two thousand and six, um, and you know, and and then like most other resource companies, gave a lot of that back. You know, it, it's up and down. Um, and when I look at your presentation, you know, I flick through the properties, and um, you know, when you're when you've only got a small brain, um, it's quite overwhelming to kind of work out uh, what you know how to. How, how how to value your company, and in a sense, you you, in a, you recognize that. I think you on the, on slide three of your presentation, you write focus on the value. Right. Yeah. It, it's very hard to to understand uh, what we do because uh, there is no other company I think really exactly like us uh, that views the final product as money rather than the mineral, and that has such a low risk or risk ratio uh, compared to what other companies are doing um, because we we try not to dilute our shareholders. We only have 55.1 million shares outstanding uh, and we buy back shares. I mean, like if you looked at the the uh, the number of shares that on the quarterly, it showed, I think, uh, 55.6 million shares. Well, recently we just bought back another uh, 450,000 shares. So we're, you know, diminishing the market we don't have much stock out anyway but we're we're trying you know it's a great deal at the price it is so we're happy to buy it back uh while, while at the same time not interfering with other people you know accumulating uh if they wish to to take the chance of investing but you know it's the the model is different uh because of the number of assets the the diversity of the assets and it's hard for you to value it um considering also the amount of cash we have and we own all of those 221 assets. We own them. We don't owe any money to anybody. We don't even pay rent on our buildings. We own our buildings. We own our vehicles. We own our geophysical equipment. We own everything. I don't believe in debt, uh, which is a bit weird. Because, But the good thing is when the markets turn, and they always turn, as you indicated previously, the ups and the downs, we don't suffer like the other ones. We don't have to move to the basement of our house. Like, we continue along because we have money, we have assets, we have no debt. Do you feel as if we're um, 
not in a downturn at the moment? Do you feel as if things are good? Because I mean, if, if you speak to most of the, the, the rest of the junior sector that don't have money, they would say that times are tough at the moment. It depends on your business model. I mean, in, in, in what's a lousy market for other people is a great market for us because we can acquire assets cheaply. When it's a good market for them, they've got money and they need assets. So we're perpetually, I don't want to say in a good place, but we're in a better place than most others. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, just on the, uh, I've got so many questions, but uh, your shareholder register, please. You, you, you say that uh, you've got a, a good shareholder register. Can you describe that to me and, and, and how's that evolved over time? In the sense of who owns it or, or, or uh, the number of shares? Yeah. Yeah, who owns it? Uh, who owns it? it? It's all individual shareholders. Uh, we, we don't have a brokerage following per se. We have individual brokers uh, who like us, who buy it for, them, for, the, for themselves and for some of their clients. But the reality is we don't have a brokerage following. Like we've never been uh, recommended, for example, by any brokerage firms. Uh, and that would be because uh, we never do finance. Well, never, but we don't do financings. Uh, we make yeah. money because we make money. They don't make fees. If they don't make fees, we don't exist. Just as that. Yeah, that simple. yeah absolutely. Crystal, crystal clear. Um, if you if if you don't yeah if you don't issue stock and pay fees, um, why would they uh, give you the time of day? Because we're a great company. We have great assets. We make money, and we're the lower risk profile than most of their other people that they give money to. Yeah, no, no but. Um, and, and sadly, it doesn't necessarily work like that. I know. Um, I know. <clears throat> yeah. But um, do, do you have any institutional shareholders? And, and what do you and the family um, own of, this, of the company? Uh, between myself and my wife, we own just over 10% of the company, but almost 11. And uh, the Quebec government fund owns. Uh, other than that, uh, that's it. Is, is there, um, are, there, are there a disclosable um, uh, reportable amount? Or is it just yes. that you... Yeah. That you Good, R really interesting. Um, when it comes to valuation, I, um, do you do peer analysis with yourself and other royalty companies, or not other royalty companies, but with royalty companies? No, because we don't have a peer. That's the problem, um, is, is that nobody has the complete model that we have. There are, there are royalty companies, we do royalties. There are exploration companies, we do explorations. Uh, exploration, sorry. Uh, there are companies that, that uh, are, are whose business is, is to acquire properties and then option them out. We do that. But there's nobody else, except maybe Riverside, I think, that, that which focuses on Mexico and South America. Uh, I don't think there's anybody else that does what we do. No peers. What do you think the, the share price should be? You know, how would you, how would you, how would you value it? Well, you're, you're, you're obviously asking somebody who has a particular interest. Uh, but let me, let me just say in 19, no, 2006, uh, we had very little money. We had, I can't remember the number of properties, maybe a hundred, uh, and uh, a high tech group. Some guys who made a lot of money in the high tech business wanted to, to buy us out. And uh, we were actually pretty close to the finish land at $7 a share. And the, um, I, so that's the price spike. If you look, look in the share price, you can just see it just kind of, it goes, yep. goes pretty vertical. And what happened? Why, why, um, you know, why, did, why did that finish line not get crossed? That, that finish line didn't get crossed uh, because um, they, they, they insisted that they buy everybody else's shares except mine, which 
I could live with that because the way they wanted it was I had to guarantee to work for them for five years. Uh, and after five years, they would decide whether they would buy my shares or not. So I said, look, go and ask the shareholders. Uh, if the shareholders approve the deal, I'll go along with it. Uh, but, uh, you know, don't, don't wait for me to recommend something where I'm going to be your slave for five years. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, so they decided not to go to the, to ask the shareholders. So yeah, unfortunately it died, yeah. but, uh, anyway, such is life. Do you see yourself as a kind of a stable revenue company or is that not possible to do, but given the, the, the range of the, op- the, the way that the opportunities come and go through a cycle, I mean, sh- should I, should I try and value you on kind of 10 times cash flow or, um, or seven times earnings or something. You know what? I'm going to say something which probably is going to be a bit weird, but I think you should value us on your gut feeling uh, because I don't think you can uh, say, okay, you know, 221 assets one by one are worth how much, you know, Uh, if you put, if you put it a million dollars per asset, no, that's a hell of a lot of money. You put $500,000 per asset, that's a hell of a lot of money, uh, much higher than what we are now. Uh, you, I think you have to sort of look at the overall potential, the fact that we don't dilute our shareholders. Hey, I'm the largest shareholder. I don't want to be diluted. So we, we don't dilute the, dilute the shareholders. We make money. There's ups and downs in the market, whether we make money how uh, and how we make money, on what we make money. Uh, but... It's the overall picture of non-dilution, owning assets, no debts, revenue stream, guaranteed potential revenue at this point in time, and the past history uh, of who we are, what we do. I mean, even if you look at our board of directors, our board of directors is not made up of lawyers, doctors, and dentists. It's made up of professionals. There's three geologists with over 40 years experience, uh, a mining accountant, smelter accountant, and a high finance uh, professional who's managed relatively billions of dollars. I mean, it's not Joe Blow off the street. These are serious people. I, I, your comments about kind of dude value to $500,000 or a million dollars, in a sense, um, your book value for your portfolio is probably a, a useful yardstick because you said that all of them have got historic... No, our book value is, is not because I, I, I don't like, excuse my language, don't like pissing money away. So we, we have so many assets and each year when you do your annual report, the auditors want to assign a value to each individual property. Well, mm-hmm. you have to pay them to sit and argue with you about what the value of a property is. So you can imagine the nightmare of trying to evaluate 221 assets. <clears throat> and, and it's variable from things that are a good expiration place to things that have over 800,000 ounces of gold, things that are under option, things that aren't under option, things which are metals in demand, things that are not metals in demand. So it got to be hugely expensive to argue with our auditors of on what value to assign on each individual property. So what we said, we said, can we, look, can we value everything at zero and just write off everything? Uh, Unlike other companies, where other companies, for example, will have a property that they spent $10 million on and got nothing, but they value it at 10 million. 
if we've spent 10 million on it, and if we've got something, we still value it at zero because we want to save several hundreds of thousands of dollars each year, which would have gone to the auditors. As much as I like our auditors, uh, I don't like them enough to give them money just for the hell of it. Interesting. Do you keep a record of the kind of the historics um, or the, sorry, no, the, the replacement spend? Um, yes, absolutely. We have. So, so you've, you've got to, you, you, is, is that something you can publish, kind of the replaceable value of um, the replacement cost of your assets? Is that a replacement cost or is that money spent? Not quite the same thing. No, they're not. They're not. And I'm, I'm just trying to think of um, the way to uh, position this for, for investors so that they can get a handle on it. Because if, if you've got 220 uh, properties and... Uh, I, I know that there's a whole range of um, from early stage to defined resources, but the, there's, there's probably you know a quantifiable replacement cost of work on each of those assets. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we, we just optioned the property out to a company called Emperor. Uh, that particular property uh, has about, according to their calculation, over thirty million dollars spent on it already. Uh, so do you value it at 30 million uh, or do you value it at the value of the deal that we did um, or do you value it on the number of uh, discounted gold ounces or do you value it at the non-discounted gold values? Hence, hence my suggestion that you look at the totality and you value it on your gut, you know, because it's, it's really, and I, I know this is not the way you're supposed to do it. I, re- I really do understand that. But we're a different kind of animal. Um, <clears throat> before I uh, joined this call, I spent a, uh, a, a little while trying to find comparisons in share price performance to you by kind of um, pulling up your share price and then just trying different single single asset producers mm-hmm. that kind of mature gold companies, mature copper companies, mature, you know, one by one. And um, there was quite a good uh, fit between you and a mature copper company over the last uh uh two or three years yeah um it could we could be but we you know we go through certain things i mean like our our stock price right now is really low uh and we got whacked uh in the last four months five months now i guess five five months um because because we we are deal driven uh and uh just this is sort of an oddball occurrence but uh, there was a company that wanted to option one of our properties and we negotiated for a couple months um, and we couldn't reach an agreement. Uh, so they got pissed off and I wouldn't sell the property to them. So uh, they went into the market, they bought 4.5 million shares. And then at the next annual meeting, they voted them against us to make a statement. And it wasn't any problem. I mean, we have, we have lots of support. Uh, and then they just sat on the, the stock for a number of years. And then recently they bought... Uh, a number of properties and they needed to get more hard cash. So they started whacking our stock every day. And we were trading in the 150 to 160 range. They knocked us down to about 68 cents, generally in the 70 to 75 cent range. And, you know, four and a half million shares whacking you over months, day after day, um, it takes a toll on the price. And, and then other people become a bit fearful and you get some more whacking done. Uh, so uh, it is what it is. So, you know, what can I say? 
Um, do you think they're th- do you think they're through? Do you think they're out? Oh, they're gone. They're, they're gone. Yeah, yeah, they're completely gone. And there's one other one other guy that is 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 hitting us at the moment. I don't know if it's for tax reasons or what, but uh, once he's gone, I think he'll probably be gone. Well, the end of the month, the thirty first. I'm hoping he'll be gone after that. Okay, so so I mean, in a sense, you're. You're fifty percent down on where you'd got to. If you're, you're half the value of where you were before this large position was being unwound, which is you know eight percent of the company mm-hmm. was sold um, in an undisciplined manner. Well, possibly to try and get back to that level, to kind of get back to eighty million dollars, hundred million dollars Canadian, you, it's going to want you to kind of. Um, I think the market will be looking for some catalysts in the short term you know you say you're deal driven are you you, have you got uh some things in the pipeline you know i mean you you obviously do you always do but um you know are you confident that you'll you'll be able to do that in the next three six months yeah oh yeah for sure plus also we're not only deal driven we're also exploration results driven so we have these companies that have earned their interest in the company in the properties we also have companies uh, that are currently earning interest. And if you look at our press release uh, uh, issuances, you'll see like this morning, we put out another press release by a company called Orford that had been drilling on one of our properties in the Jutel area. And they got like a wide, a 54 meter wide intersection over a gram gold on, on the known zone. And then they got another wide intersection on a new discovery horizon uh, uh, on, on the same property just to the north of it. Uh, so uh, we're, we've got lots and lots of news because people are working on our properties and creating value on the properties. And by creating value on the properties, they're bringing them closer. Well, closer to the to the point where either they get the production potentially, or they they meet all the terms of the option agreement, which means that there are more cash payments, more share payments, and eventually a royalty and maybe an advance royalty. So it, it's a it's a complex picture uh, of, of trying to understand uh, what drives the market price. And basically, uh, it's people just have to look at it and say, you know what, you know, a company with one property is trading it and, and more shares than Globex has no resources, is trading at the same price as this company that has 221 assets, royalties, revenue, money in the bank, no debt, uh, real estate. And this makes no sense. Hence, the gut feeling. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm going to try, and I'm going to try another way. Um, uh, <laughs> Good luck. <I'm> <laughs> um, historic cash flows um, or historic revenues. You know, has that been um, off the top of your head? Has that been? You know, I, I know the last three years with COVID and everything, and Ukraine has been particularly lumpy, but. Uh, perhaps going back five years, have, have you seen some change or some, some growth or some stability in your cash flows? I'd say relative stability. Uh, we, we have that one speak, uh, spike uh, uh, due to uh, us selling a, a royalty uh, uh, to Electric Royalties and Sprott and also to that deal where we sold the Franker Arnfield uh, property to uh, Yamana. Uh, but even there, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> I don't want to say everything about us is hard to judge, but uh, because uh, IFRS rules, uh, the deal that we did with Yamana was for $15 million in cash payments over five years, guaranteed. 
So we received the first and the second payment, so we got another $8 million to come. But under IFRS rules, we had to incorporate the full $15 million in revenue two years ago, even though we only received the first $4 million, because that's what IFRS rules require. So you see in our revenue is this huge spike, some of it legitimate, because, well, both legitimate, but some of it actually received, I should say, because we got money from Sprott and, and electric royalties, but we only received 4 million of the 15 million from Yamana, but we had to uh, uh, incorporate 15 million of revenue uh, as if we'd actually received it. And not only that, we had to pay 4 million, the tax on the full $15 million, even though we hadn't received it. So now the the other eleven million we receiving we received the four million the three million plus the other eight million uh, is going to be tax well I'm saying tax free but not tax free we we don't have to pay tax on it because we've already paid the tax on it so even reading our financials you know because of IFRS rules is difficult and then adding on to the fact that we evaluate everything at zero makes it a even more difficult. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see it. Um, I, it makes me want to go back and look at your cash flow statements mm-hmm. on an annual basis for five years, just to see what the cash position, what your share position has done over five years, and to see whether that's uh, got um, stability in it. And then, then, then that's kind of a base level. Plus the fact you've got the optionality on two hundred and twenty-one properties, plus your leverage to the. Um, so the commodity cycle plus you're at fifty percent relative to where you were a couple of years ago because of the the impact of selling into a soft market by a eight percent shareholder. Yeah, but but for somebody to go in and look at our financials and, and try to understand it, for example, the ones we just submitted, it shows revenue of two million. Because we received the three million from Yamana, but but it's incorporated. We received it, so it should be two million plus three million is five million. But we received. But we had to book it two years ago. So you don't see it unless you go to the notes that we actually received five million. The, the, that's why I would go to the cash flow statement because I just yeah. get the kind of the cash on hand figure right at the end of the year. So it's just kind of, it's just, there's no, there's no, no accountancy there. It doesn't, doesn't tax my poor accountancy brain. It just, it just gives me the cash. <laughs> taxes figure. my brain. I got to tell you, it taxes my brain. <laughs> Good. Um, so if if we look at the year ahead, to me it feels as if we're at the beginning of a of a good time for gold. Um, it, it, I, I may be wrong, but when I see this kind of macro instability and the the um, the level of indebtedness in the world and the rising interest rates, it just it to me it feels like a good time for gold. And uh, you've got a lot of that in your portfolio, but. Um, in a sense, the prices we can't control. But what you can control is the is the activity levels according to the deals you've done and the work that you're doing. So can you just talk to me about the um, the plan for the rest of the year as far as you can describe it in terms of news flow quarter by quarter, perhaps? I, well, I can't do it quarter by quarter because stuff just sort of arrives out of the blue. Somebody okay. call, calls you up and says, uh, have you got a lithium property? Uh, or, yeah. you know, they, they want something... You show them a number of things, and either they make a decision yes or they make a decision no. Uh, so, but we have a lot of those things going on. 
So I, I, I can't prophesize, uh, I'd just be lying if I told you, you know, we're going to have this revenue and this number of deals. I can't tell you that. I can, all I can tell you is we have a history of making deals. We have a history of making money. You look at the company, you'll see that. Uh, whether you do it over the last five years or you do the last 40 years, you'll see that. Uh, so, and you'll see the fact that we try not to dilute our shareholders and all the rest of the things that I mentioned. Um, so we, we are, I, I love gold. I think gold is the place to be. I think you have to, um, one, one of the other things I didn't mention is that, that we only work in established mining camps. <clears throat> we only work in democracies. Uh, we only work in rule of law. So we're, we're limited to North America and one project in Saxony, Germany. Uh, and at the moment, that's it. Uh, because there are very few places in the world with rule of law and democracy. It is what it is. So uh, now we, we, so we, we, we acquire these assets uh, and we're working principally on gold at the moment. Because like you, I believe that we're coming into a gold market. I'm surprised uh, that it hasn't taken off much more than it has currently. Uh, there seem to be headwinds. Um, uh, and why, I, I really can't fathom. You, you look at Russia, theoretically, should be dumping gold in order to finance. But the reports are that they've increased their gold. Who the hell knows? We don't know. And that's one of the problems with dealing with non-democratic countries. Um, but so we're, we're spending of the month, the places where we're focusing our expenditures currently are on raising the profile of gold properties, doing deals on gold properties uh, and acquiring more gold assets. Uh, and uh, easier said than done, uh, because as the price of the metals go up, a lot more people are focused on acquiring. Some of them are coming to us to acquire and some of them are going into competition with us. So you don't exactly know uh, what tomorrow is going to bring. All I can say is uh, that we're doing a lot of show and tell uh, and we're doing a fair bit of negotiation. I can't say whether one, 10 or zero will come to fruition. I'd be lying to you. I'm sorry. Thank you very much for explaining it as much as you have done. Um, I've got a much better understanding of the company now than I did uh, half an hour ago. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and good luck with uh, the, the deals ahead. I mean, um, I, I, I'll keep an eye on the stock and just see how progress goes. Okay. And I hope you get a good gut feeling and go in the market and buy some.